Welcome to the Here on Speakerphone podcast, a podcast about two women celebrating the good days and navigating the hard days in the corporate world. Join us as we try to figure it out. And by the way, you're on speakerphone. Hey guys, welcome back to the You're On Speakerphone podcast. Today you're on with Deborah and Taylor. I'm Deborah. I'm Taylor. And today we're going to tell you how to get what you want. Tell me what you want. What you really, really want. How the Spice Girls are amazing. The reason we've all gathered here today, or why we've brought you all here today, is uh, to talk about work and the things we've done. And we took some things offline last week, and let's talk about it a little bit. So, Deborah, you wanted to not throw your computer out the window, and since we are recording today, that didn't happen. Do you want to explain how we got to today's point? Yeah, so I wanted to take offline that I was going to learn a little bit more about the editing functions of GarageBand. I think I did okay. Um, I edited our first episode. I learned a little bit along the way, and hopefully I'll just keep learning to give you guys better sound quality, um, better editing, and just make this all over better podcast. So what about you, Taylor? So this week, I'm sure you guys remember, actually last week, when I said that I have the attention span of a gnat. Yes. And that hurt me in my journey to cultivate gratefulness. So I was trying to start out every day and remember to do that. But honestly, I forgot about it kind of a lot. But interestingly enough, what I did find is that whenever a curveball hit me this week or something really stressful happened, I was stopping and reflecting on the things that I was grateful for. And what that did is it helped me kind of take a pause and to breathe a little bit and then move through that whatever stressful situation I was having. So thank you for the suggestion. Um, Unfortunately, I wasn't able to follow it to a T, but that's what worked for me. And I think that's what's really great about taking things offline is you can take a suggestion and then really mold it to whatever you need to do um, and whatever helps you be better in in your life. Yeah, and I'm glad that my suggestion really helped you out. You are welcome. And, you know, while we're talking about how great each other are, uh, I'm sure you guys have noticed a difference in volume quality uh, and sound quality here today. Uh, Deborah, what did you learn this week? I learned that I should not have yelled at Taylor for being too quiet and told her I was going to tape her mouth to the microphone. Um, Such because a it, violent suggestion. <laughs> because it was not her fault. I'm going to go on record being that it was not her fault. It was YouTube's fault. Um. I don't think that's what we're, where we're going with that, but I think it would suffice it to say you were wrong. Maybe. On record. Maybe. Either way, we hope our sound quality is a lot better now. Um, Deborah finally learned how to hook up two microphones, so I think it all comes with starting a new podcast, so we're really excited to jump in today's topic. So in the workplace, you have to know how to get what you want, right? Yes. Um, There are a lot of times where you're going to need the help of others, um, or you're going to be in charge of others, or you're going to need the help of your boss. Um, And as a result, you need to know how to get what you want in the workplace. So today we kind of wanted to walk you through how to do that with the three different types of people that we feel like you're going to interact with. So um, that's going to be first your subordinates. So Mm -hmm. people who report to you, how do you get them to do what you expect and ask of them? Um, Second, your coworkers. So um, these are people who you help each other out, you lean on each other, you have each other's backs. But you have no power over them. Exactly. Um, so how do you get someone to do you that favor, um, help you with that project, um, give you that advice? And then lastly, your boss, who you have even less power over. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so how do you, if you need your boss's help or you need their support or you need their buy-in on one of your ideas, how do you get them to do that? And I think it's such an important thing to note here that we're not talking about this in a malicious way. We're not talking about in deceiving anyone or manipulating anyone, but how do you best formulate your thoughts into mm. driving the change that you wish to see. I think that's an important distinction here. Yeah. Um, whenever you talk about how to get what you want, it can be seen as deceitful or manipulative, and that's not the intention mm. at all here. It truly is how do you best communicate what you want and need from your coworkers, subordinates, your boss, to then see the results in which um, – that you're driving for. Right. So let's kick it off with the subordinates. Um, and I feel like that word, I, I was trying to think of a better word for that, but I couldn't really, but basically like people who report to you, I just yeah. feel like that's I would say so maybe like, direct reports. Yeah. Like that's such like a militaristic term. I feel like and we are the farthest thing from being in the military. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but first off there's people who report to you, right? So you're going to expect certain things of them. And sometimes it's not even just you yourself expecting someone something of them or you yourself needing them to complete a project or um you know hit a financial or whatever it may be but the company that expects them that of them but you are the person you're the messenger right yeah you're the mouthpiece exactly um so how do you lead them to then get the result that you and in turn the company wants um so we kind of brainstormed a couple of things that we do on a day-to-day basis. And the first thing that immediately popped into my head was empathy. 100%. Yes. Um, so I think that when you talk to people who report to you, it's so important to come from – for you to come from a place of where they are coming from. Meet them where they're at. Exactly. Um, and, and when you think about this, think about what you would want from your boss. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're having a conversation with your boss and you need support or you have an idea that you want to push forward, how would you want your boss to react to you? Both in the sense of if they can help you or even more in the sense of if they can't. And I even think about it in the fact of when our boss, you know, comes down and says, you know, these are the things that you have to hit. Mm -hmm. Um, How would I want that to be communicated to me? And so in turn, I try to kind of take myself as the guinea pig here and say, you know, this worked for me. This didn't work for me. And um, then implement whatever I wish would have happened into my employees and hopefully then see the results from there. So I think that the thing that both of us agreed upon that has helped us the most is when you're talking to someone who's reporting to you, show them how it will benefit them. 100%. It's about framing. Yeah. So for example, um, say there is a new project, a new rollout that is coming down from higher ups corporate in your company, right? And it's something that's going to require a lot of legwork up front from your direct reports. Um, And you're the person who maybe necessarily doesn't have to put in all of that legwork, but has to supervise it and make sure that it happens. Um, So basically, how are you going to go in and talk to your direct reports to make sure that A, it happens in the way that you want it to happen, the way that the company wants it to happen, but also you have the buy-in and the positivity coming from them so that even though it's a lot of work, they want to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. And I think that coming from a place of empathy and knowing, okay, if I was in their shoes, X, Y, Z are the things in this rollout that are going to be tough for me. So when you have that conversation, you can address X, Y, Z because you don't want to, you don't want to gloss over them or you just sound tone deaf. So let's say, you know, we've said how we work in a retail environment. Mm-hmm. And I think a really good example of this is 
a planogram or a schematic yep. or a set. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just basically means that there's a section of our store or a retail location that has to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's not necessarily a third party. There's specific employees that you have to lead to complete that. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of extra time. It's a lot of hard labor. And it's just, it's not enjoyable. No. So especially now, I would say, with coronavirus happening and COVID-19, supply constraints Coronavirus are... and COVID-19 are the same things. I'm just trying to say all the words. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point. Okay. Anyway. So with supply constraints being what they are, that often means having to change things a little bit more quickly than we normally would. Or a lot more quickly. Yes. And so... Having to change that all the time, it doesn't fill your employees with joy. Like they're not excited for that. And so I think, how do you how do you best communicate that to your people? How do you get them motivated to do this one um, change after they just made a different change, mm-hmm. you know, in this specific example? So I think when you go into that, it's putting yourself in their shoes. That is, in my head, literally the definition of empathy, is putting yourself in that person's shoes and understanding you know, having been in the place where you know where they're coming from. So this is going to be a lot of extra work for them. So show them the benefits. Um, maybe that's, hey, this is going to be a lot of legwork up front, but next week, the week after, the week after that, it's going to be less work because you put in this work up front. Or, hey, this is going to be a lot of legwork up front, but it's going to boost your customer experience or Mm -hmm. boost your sales or boost your revenue because you put in this legwork up front. And this is the, these are the things that we expect to happen that will benefit you because you did this hard work. And I think it's important to note that if you're, if you're working for a company or in an environment that doesn't give you necessarily as a leader, um, the opportunity to experience what your direct reports are experiencing in their day-to-day lives, it's your job to go out and figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know what your people are going through on a day-to-day basis, you are blind and it is going to be very easy for you to come off as tone deaf, mm-hmm. which is, in my experience, the easiest way to lose respect. I agree. And I think part of this too is it's something that I always try to focus on is I try to hear my people out. So mm-hmm. if they're upset, they're frustrated, vent it. Let me hear all of it. Like They're I, not doing that for no reason. Exactly. And I think people are rational and they want to do a good, good job at work. And so it's up to me to say, what are your concerns? I don't want to be just this wall that they're screaming at where nothing ever happens. I want them to feel heard. And I want them to know that I understand their frustrations mm-hmm. and I hear them and they are valid. Mm-hmm. However there is a common good that will come out of this, Mm -hmm. even though it might not be so obvious in the short term, Mm -hmm. one of those long-term games. So I think it's really important um, to, you know, talk about that and to hear them out and and understand that, you know, how you feel is completely valid. However, we still have a job to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always like joke that, you know, look at who signs our paychecks, right? (laughs) It's it's, the same person. It's the same. We all just want to do our best. And, you know, this is what we signed up for. So, Let's accept it. It's not ideally what we'd want to do, but let's move on and make sure that it's yeah. done um, in a timely manner. We're on the same team. Exactly. And, and I think that, you know, kind of going off what you said about accepting their frustrations and not dismissing those, one of the biggest frustrations I think that I've gotten from a direct report is when you are not specific mm-hmm. in your direction to them. So you may give them a task to complete and 
I feel like as a leader, you sometimes walk this fine line between micromanaging and being specific. So sometimes there are times where you might just have an idea and you and your direct report come up with this idea together. Um, and it's something that has some flexibility. So as a result, you're able to give them complete autonomy and just be like, you go girl, you go boy, like you complete this to the best of your ability. And like, it's going to be fantastic. You have complete reign over this. But then there are also times when you get specific direction from your boss. And then it's your job to relay that to your direct report. And I think one of the biggest frustrations is when you walk that fine line, but you are not specific enough with your instruction. So then your direct report goes and completes the task, um, do, does what you wanted them to do. You get what you want, but they do it wrong. And mm. as a result, they've wasted their time. They've wasted their resources. They've re- wasted their effort um, and have to go back and comp- re-complete work, which is, in my experience, when I have to do that, super frustrating because you're, you're just doing it again. Exactly. When that stuff happens, you know, I often think, you know, was I not specific enough? What did I do to cause this miscommunication? Because it comes from the top and understanding my role. And that is so important. But I think on that same note is, you know, having that piece of accountability, Mm -hmm. right? So accountability to the leader themselves, but also the accountability to the employee Mm -hmm. as well. And I think a lot of times uh, we can fail to hold our people accountable and not set a good standard. So when I think about management and I think about what I want out of my people, I find that whenever they know the boundaries of which they're working in, we see a lot more successful results. And to, for me, that means setting the standard, making sure they understand the expectation, and then holding them accountable to it. Mm-hmm. And I'll even say that in my conversation. They'll say, hey, just so you know, I'm holding you accountable to this. Mm-hmm. I make it as clear as possible and as mm-hmm. specific as possible. So that way you understand the boundaries because people want to do a good job at mm-hmm. work. Every single time, I truly believe that. And that might be naive of me, and I truly don't care. Um, <laughs> I want to see the good people. So when I think about, you know, giving direction and asking what someone to do, you know, I want to say, here are your boundaries. If you hit your boundaries, you're good. If you don't, we're going to have to talk about it. But if you do, it's going to be a positive, great conversation, and it's going to be a big um, kudos to you because yeah. you did it. Yeah. Yeah, I think being consistent with that is so important because um, – you know, being specific and consistent, not to not to reiterate that, but those two things are so important for your direct reports because if you can, A, be specific in your ask, and then B, um, be consistent with either, with your feedback, whether that be constructive or whether that be positive feedback, um, your people will know what the expectation is. And if they know what your consistent expectation is, if they are a good employee, they will want to hit it. They will have that drive. They will have um, that that want to do well. Um, and as a result, you'll get the result that you want. And so I think just to recap with our talking a little bit about subordinates or direct reports or employees, you know, you approach everything with empathy and you do the best you can to understand their situation and put yourself in their shoes. But also at the same time, you want to be specific with your ask and make sure they fully understand what is being asked of them in order to perform. And finally, you know, making sure they're being held accountable and that the parameters in which you're asking them to perform are understandable to them. So that way you can then hold them accountable if it's missed. Totally agree. So let's move on to our coworkers. Mm-hmm. 
um, who are a totally different beast because they don't have to listen to you. No, they owe you nothing. <laughs> oh, you absolutely nothing. So it's a little harder to get their buy-in because you're not writing their performance review. I feel like it's like a journey, you know, in the it starts easy because you have you know the burden of responsibility behind you and they have to listen to you your employees do and then you go to co-workers who literally owe you nothing and then you go to your boss who owes you truly nothing <laughs> so this is like kind of like the medium yeah. of yeah. zone of like you're like halfway up mount everest exactly <laughs> not that we i rock climb by any means I hike a little. Okay, beside the point. Coworkers. <laughs> so coworkers. Um, so we came up with two, I think, tangible takeaways that have helped us in our own personal experiences with getting our coworkers to do um not necessarily I hate saying like to do what we want. Um, because that's not my goal. I don't go into work being like, I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna manipulate you into how doing what I want. But like Everyone wants their coworkers on their side. You know, we have to have each other's backs. I think that's more what it's about. Yes. And I think how do you better communicate with them? How mm-hmm. do you better get them to understand what you mm-hmm. need and want and perform yeah. at the same level you're performing at? Yeah. So I think the first thing is you have a lot of coworkers typically, right? I mean, unless you're working for a small startup, and if that's the case, I'm really sorry because this might not necessarily pertain to you. But Just fast forward. It's fine. Just fast forward. Um, hit that little 30 second jump. Um, but if, if that's the case, I would say my first, my first tip is go to different people. Mm -hmm. Um, so build that network. Everyone, you know, especially when you first start your job. So I I have my tailor, right? Um, and and she becomes my go-to person. Um, so as a result, every time I have a question, every time I need some advice, every time um, I want some support, my first thought is going to be, I'm going to call Taylor. You're obsessed with me. I, I love you. Um, but we're, too soon. <laughs> we're all really busy people. We are. Um, so my advice would be to call someone new, call someone who's the expert in that area, mm-hmm. call someone who maybe had a good comment or spoke about the area that you have a question on in a meeting. Or are the most tenured. Or are the most tenured. Someone who may have helped train someone in your position um, with your question or the advice that you're seeking. Because A, if you go to different people, you're not going to be bombarding or burdening one person with all of your questions. So they're not going to think, Oh, here's another question coming in from Deborah, or they might say Taylor or Taylor, a lot of um, or they won't screen your call. You know, they're more, more they're more likely to help you out and answer that. Um, and also, you're gonna build your network of support, right? Mm-hmm. I think Taylor had a really good. Um, you read something right about when you ask someone questions. Oh, so I was reading Dale Carnegie's "How to Win Friends and Influence People." Mm-hmm. I think that's how it's called. Honestly. It is, yeah. Is it? Sometimes I butcher things. Who knew? So an interesting thing that I found is that a couple of things. So there's two little tricks that I learned from that book. And number one is whenever you want somebody to like you more, you ask a small favor of them. So if I was like, hey, Deborah, you were the lead on that project. Can you just send me over that data sheet you had um, posted earlier in a meeting? Mm -hmm. I found that really interesting and helpful. Um, People tend to then comply and then they feel like you're kind of like their go-to and therefore it helps increase a better friendship with that person or relationship with that person. Also, another interesting fact that I found is that whenever you ask, whenever you go down to like ask someone a question or you need their help or you want to influence them in some certain way, 
if you get them to say yes twice before you make the initial ask. So it's it's nice weather today, right? And they're like, yeah, it is. It's really nice. And hey, is it okay if you want to take a seat here? And they're like, yes, yeah, yeah, I'd like to sit here. Um, this looks like a great chair. I don't know where I'm going <laughs> with this. But if you get them to say yes twice to smaller things, they're more likely to be in a place of yes than a place of no. And I think um, I was thinking I was joking with you is you just have to kind of shift their mentality a little mm-hmm. bit and put them in that like happy place mm-hmm. before you actually get to the meatier stuff. And again, this isn't a manipulation. This isn't to, you know, one up someone maybe like pushing the odds a little bit in your favor, um, a little bit of psychology there. But I think it is helpful when you're trying to build a relationship with someone that you start with the kind of the smaller, the smaller ask, the, the smaller questions and then build your way up because it's nerve wracking. It's tough. Especially when you're a newer person and you're going to that tenured person to ask for their advice or their input on something you're doing, right? Exactly. There's so many times where I've walked in somewhere and felt so intimidated by these people who've been doing this for years. And I'm coming in like the new kid on the block like, hey guys, what's going on? (laughs) With that exact voice. (laughs) Yes. I only do that when I'm nervous. Um, And so I think it's really helpful to kind of have these little tips and tricks in mind. Um, Also, though, whenever you're asking these people for help and you're reaching out, I think it's so important to figure out a way to repay them in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If they need help on a project, if they need a favor covered, you got to be that person, right? We, nothing, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? In economist's view, same deal applies at work, right? However, I can help you. And it, it doesn't have to be a malicious thing, but truly just we're coworkers. We're in it together. We need to help each other out. How can I best help you? I think is a really beautiful way to repay, you know, one of your coworkers who helped you better whatever position you wanted or helped you out with a project or whatever it was. I think it's a really cool way to appreciate them and repay them for their work and their help. Yeah. So for instance, I can think of a time when I was newer to my position and we've said before we're in retail. So in retail comes inventory, right? Um, I think almost all retailers <laughs> take an inventory. I would say everyone. Yes, probably. Um, so this was something I was struggling a lot with um, when I was newer to my position. So as a result, something that I did um, you know, to reach out to someone and get their advice, but then also repay them um, was I, I was newer to this position. There was someone who was technically a peer, but had been in the position a lot longer than me. So I said, Hey, do you want me to come help you with your inventory? Um, so as a result, I was able to absorb all of their knowledge during that time. Mm-hmm. But also during that time, I was helping them with what they were trying to accomplish. So to them, it was a win-win because I'm helping taking some of the work off their plate, but I also was able to absorb all of that knowledge that they were they were giving me and, and while going through that process. Exactly. And I think that's really the epitome of this whole discussion with coworkers, right? Is mm-hmm. you want to make it a win-win. You want to make it a win-win in that you're not going to the same person every time and burdening yeah. them with your questions all the time, which a lot of people would be fine with, but at the same time, like broaden your network. It never hurts. Yeah. And also, you know, you really want to make sure how can I pay you back? How can I look out for you? What can I do for you? That will also benefit you. So it's not just a one-sided relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it really comes down to is how do we make this beneficial for both of us? Because mm-hmm. we're both trying to achieve the same goal. Again, it comes back to the same conversation we had about subordinates and employees and direct reports, whatever you want to call it. Um, is that you want to make it a win-win. You want to frame it in a way that it's helpful to the other person. Because 
at the end of the day, who signs the paycheck? We're all having the same companies all that are paychecks. Same team. We're all on the same team. So welcome to the danger zone. Excuse me? So it's how you talk to your boss. How do you get what you want from your boss? It's like code red. It's scary. I mean... I... Okay, let me let me put this in perspective before we really get started in this topic. Um, my I have an Apple Watch, and it often tells me to breathe mm. when I'm talking to my boss mm-hmm. on the phone or in person. I get very, very nervous. So honestly, Deborah, let's start with you. Okay. How do we get what we want from our boss? So there's a couple of tangible takeaways that I think we've discussed with this, but I want to start with the hard data. So I think that the first thing I thought about when I was like, all right, Deborah, like when you're going in to have a conversation with your boss, when I need support or there's something that I'm struggling with that I need to explain myself about and get her on my side or him on my side, Mm -hmm. how do I do that? And I think that having hard data to back up where I'm coming from Mm -hmm. makes it less subjective and more objective, right? And helps our boss whenever they have to present it to their boss, right? Because Mm. oftentimes, how many decisions do you truly own on a large scale, right? Yeah. So typically, when I'm talking to my boss about something, it's typically a metric that was given to me by him or her. Um, Or him or any of the above um and typically where did that metric come from exactly the the greater good of the company Mm -hmm. um so i think that being prepared for these asks or these explanations or these conversations um with hard data that you can say all right this isn't just my opinion this isn't just deborah sticking her finger in the air and saying oh this is, I think, where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I have hard data from XYZ source. Love a letter, as you can see. Um, this is where I'm getting my my data from. This is mm-hmm. where I'm getting my facts from. So it changes the opinion to a fact. Does that make sense? 100%. I think, which I also say a lot, you might say a lot of letters. I say a lot of 100%. <laughs> However, I think it's important to note, too, your boss then probably doesn't have a ton of power in changing the whole spectrum of your company, right? Uh So they have to run it up the ladder. So what you're doing is you're making their job easier by just handing them the facts and saying, I've identified an issue. Here's the fact of what's happening. Here's the data that supports the problem. Here's the data that supports the solution that I think will help. And here's how we go from here. In my opinion. And you may have a lower understanding than your boss because you probably have less information because that's how a company works. Yeah. However, I think it's important that you do it based in facts on opinions because it's a whole lot easier to prove and a whole lot easier for them to then implement and explain to their boss. And on that note, think about when you think of your direct reports, Mm -hmm. what do you want them to bring to you? I feel like I think about this often. So when I go to take an idea or a... um, something that's going wrong, a problem to my boss, I like to think of it in terms of, okay, of all my direct reports, which one brings things to me in the best way? Mm -hmm. So who brings, in in my opinion, what that means is who brings a solution? Who Mm -hmm. brings ideas of how to fix the problem? Deborah, preach, solution, Here we go, girl. Go, girl. Here we go. So I don't want to just know your problem. I don't want to hear it. I don't, that's great. We have a lot of problems. I've identified a problem. You've done half the steps. You have a lot of problems. I have a lot of problems. We all got a lot of problems. We're not Jay-Z. Exactly. I don't have any problems, but I want to know your solution. <laughs> really should not be a rapper, clearly. 
Yeah. So back, um, so bringing it back in. Um, so I really just want to know, all right, so this is the problem, but how are we going to fix it? Uh, me knowing a problem doesn't help me at all. It doesn't help the company at all. It doesn't help my boss at all. Um, it doesn't I want, help you at all as the employee. True. Um, so I want to know, all right, so here's a problem, but here is a couple of ideas that I have on how I'm going to fix it. In turn, those are my favorite ways that a subordinate brings a problem to me. So when I go to bring a problem, then probably from that subordinate to my boss, Mm -hmm. I also want to bring a couple of different ideas for solutions, ways to make it better, um, or at least a game plan on how to move in that direction. I love a game plan. I love a game plan. I'll say it again. I think though, it's so important to think, you know, what is my recommendation here? So yeah. Number one, FYI, here's an issue. You should probably know about it. You're going to find out either way, right? Mm -hmm. Call yourself out. Every time. Honesty is so important because you want to create trust within that relationship with with your boss. Your boss has to trust you. You have to trust your boss. That starts with honesty on your part. Do everything on your part that you can to help improve that relationship. And then once you have done that, you've already said, hey, this is an issue. It doesn't, it's not fun to talk about. I don't want to tell you that there's something wrong with our job, but that's kind of what I'm being paid for. And so there's a problem that we need to address. By the way, I've already looked into it with facts and figures, and I mm. found that this is my, these are the three recommendations that I think will help improve this issue. Then your boss doesn't have to go ahead and do extra work once they've already found out it's an issue, because that is not a fun conversation to have and say, hey, this is wrong and it's not working. Why isn't it working? What can be improved here? What's the value add that you are bringing to the situation that will help better improve the company as a whole? And I think that is the biggest piece. That is how you stand out. That's how you go above and beyond to your bosses is by saying, hey, you know, I've noticed this is an issue. Here are my recommendations here here for it. And, you know, here's how we here's where we move from here. And then your boss can choose to do whatever they wish from it. But at least you've done your due diligence. Mm. Yeah, I think that. One of the biggest things that I've learned in my still fairly 25-year-old limited experience yeah, in the corporate still world. Yeah, we don't really know anything. But um, I would say every time you have, to Taylor's point, an opportunity to go above and beyond for your direct um, your direct boss, your, your, the person who's directly above you, do it. Um, if that, you know, sometimes it's the smallest things, but think about the things that your direct report or, or even your coworker might do to help you out on a day-to-day basis where you're like, wow, now I don't have to spend 20 minutes looking into that. Now I don't have to mm-hmm. spend 10 minutes questioning you about that because you just already sent it to me and I am good to go. Time is to me, honestly, like the biggest, um, it's the most valuable. I, yeah, I don't want to say like currency, but like my time. it is, yeah. Yeah, like to my my time is so valuable because there is, you know, I have my job, I have this podcast, I have my family, I have my friends. Like, there's so much going on in my life that like my time is so valuable to me, um, and it is to so many other people that if I don't have to spend time looking into something because someone helped me out with it, that resonates so well with me, and I think that. That's just not a Deborah thing. I think that's an, a most people thing. That's an empathy thing, right? Yeah. So we talk about that with our employees. You are now the employee. You are now yes. the one being managed. You are now the one that your boss is looking to to complete something. You're still on the same team, guys. Um, although sometimes it doesn't feel like that. And sometimes you want to scream in your car about it. Still same company side of your paycheck. So 
We have to get on board as much as our employees have to get on board, right? It trickles down from the top again. And I think that's where the empathy piece is key here, right? You understand that your boss has a job to do and that you also understand that they value your time as much as you value your value your own time here. And I think, you know, and being honest and being solution oriented and going above and beyond, it's a beautiful way of saying, I recognize that you have a lot going on in your life. Here's what I want to do in our job to improve it for everybody. Mm-hmm. Take with it what you will with it. And then you've now done everything you can as the employee. And at that point, nobody can ask any more of you, right? You've done everything you absolutely can. And from that point on, that's in your boss's hands. And I think a lot of people who are in that position are in that position for a reason, probably because they have their own talents mm-hmm. and you need to recognize that and accept that. And then from then on, you're good to go. There's nothing else you can do. And hopefully you've gotten what you want. Hopefully you've gotten what you want. <laughs> it's that time again, guys, where we're going to talk about what we're going to take offline and We hope you're going to join us on this journey with us. We hope that you will also take something offline and that there was some value in this conversation. But today for me, I am going to take offline is that I would like to be more consistent in my feedback and and setting boundaries with my employees to better get what I want. So I want to make sure that they fully understand the boundaries of which they are to operate in to succeed. And I want to be better at giving them praise when they do do it. Um, So I think that's going to be helpful to me this week. And Hopefully, we will see some results from that, but I will check back with you guys next week. Hey, Deborah, what are you going to take offline? So, I think what I've taken away from this is more in the term of coworkers. So, I'm the type of person who gets really comfortable with certain people, <clears throat> Taylor, and I reach out to those certain people often for feedback. So, I think what I want to take offline this week is to take my own advice and to uh, um, broaden my network. So, instead of constantly calling Taylor this week. Hopefully, I'll have more free time now. um, With all of my questions and my feedback and everything like that, I'm going to take the initiative to try and call a couple more people to get their feedback instead. Exactly. Broaden your network. It never hurt anybody. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, unfortunately, we are going to have to hang up now, but we hope you have a great week and we will talk to you guys next week. Have an awesome week. We'll talk to you. Bye. Bye.